On this episode of The Playbook, I have the legend, Tony Hawk, and we're going to discuss finding your own path while dealing with the fear of failure. Join me for all this and more on The Playbook. This is The Playbook, where I give you access each week to the world's greatest athletes and executives about their personal and professional playbook and what has made them champions on and off the field. This is The Playbook. I have to tell you, I'm really excited to be here with Tony Hawk. You know, skateboarding to me is an analogy or an anomaly to life is I believe that the thing with success is that it's we prevent it. And the thing that prevents success from happening is fear yeah. and, and our ego-based fear. And I think with skateboarding especially, but when you're young, you know, where did fear come into play? Because you created like a hundred different Tony Hawk moves. You're a creator, an innovator, and a legend. But where did fear come in and at what age or if at all? Uh, well, it was always present. I think um, I was able to recognize my limitations in some ways, but also it's just more a fear of failure. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not so much fear. It's just the fear of, of embarrassment. I think it's more like... It, it, yeah, you you don't want to you don't want to fail in front of people. You don't want to let yourself down, so to speak. And skating is the quickest education in let that go. You know, you've got to like perseverance and determination is key in skating. And the stuff that you'll try, you'll try hundreds, thousands of times, maybe just to get it once. And it all depends on if you're in the mindset like it's worth it for that. And and it always was for me. Um, but in terms of fear like I wasn't afraid to get hurt and I wasn't afraid of failure and that really was to my advantage and I didn't realize that at the time because I went through a string of injuries that like my parents were concerned doctors <laughs> thought I was getting beaten like that's no joke they right would pull me social aside services and say, came like, in <laughs> no they would pull me aside and say is there anything happening at home that I should know about you know things like that because I I was consistently getting hurt and yet I would never quit Right. Now, let's talk about not quitting because one of the problems with athletes who are entrepreneurs and you are truly a successful businessman is that we don't know when to quit. And sometimes we ride a business like we ride a board right. where we keep, you know, you have the skills, the knowledge and desire to be a great skateboarder. One of the skills of being an entrepreneur is, hey, this business isn't going to work. Well, I think it's more about the stakes, too. So. I, you can you can use that lesson. That lesson definitely transcends skating. Like there are certain things that I tried growing up that were far more dangerous than the other tricks that I was trying. And so the risk factor was huge. And so I did know when to quit because I, I just couldn't take it physically anymore. You know, there were a few tricks that I did through my life that was like, all right, that you know, if this goes wrong one more time, it could be over. Right, you're not walking. Um, and the same can be true of business. Like you could have a business that you're you really are passionate about, and it it fails consistently to the point where it, you're broke. Yeah, I mean, and you gotta you gotta know to pull out before then. And I've definitely had that too. Like I I had a business about ten years ago that um, we got in over our head. We got into a market that we really didn't know about. And it was just draining the rest of the companies under our umbrella dry. And we finally knew when to quit before the whole thing went under. Right, which is a really sharp talent because a lot of times, you know, I run into this with football and baseball players especially because, you know, they were just trained to like never say die. But meanwhile, you know, Lenny Dykstra is a guy that, that's proven they keep throwing their own money at a business, even though it's going to kill everything. And right. um, I think, you know, I, I'm one of those guys, I was worth a fortune in my thirties and I lost everything. And I think 
transcended my life of, I didn't want to quit. I didn't want to, yeah. cause I was known as a Midas guy, right? A millionaire nine months out of law school from San Diego. All my family lived here. And I used to tell people 10 years ago, if you would have told me I'd stand in front of thousands of people and tell people I went bankrupt, it would have been, I, I would have rather died. Like that embarrassing. Yeah. What do you think was more embarrassing or ego hitting is, you know, sometimes you have these embarrassing moments in sports where you are less than your best and you, you know, do these tremendous falls or whatever, or, you know, having to admit, hey, 10 years ago, I had a failing business. Can you compare those two types yeah, of embarrassments? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I, well, and, and you know, another example of sea running, it teaches you humility and, you know, you, you go out in front of, so many people and fail over and over that that teaches you a sense of humility but also i grew up in a time when my style of skating was considered very uncool and so i had to i had to fight for acceptance throughout most of my career i mean even you know even through the success and it was like well he's a sellout and it's like well, well wait a second i'm still doing the exact same thing i was always doing i'm just now finally getting paid for it like i don't have to get a job anymore and I'm not sacrificing my values. So is that selling out? Um, and I've learned to really to accept those criticisms. And that was helpful in all my walks of life and, and, and to forge ahead the way that I believed in as opposed to altering my path or my value system in order to please others. Yeah, it's a great um, point. Right? And that and you can do that in a business as well. I mean, you know, there are definitely businesses where you can you can jump on the bandwagon, you can do all the stuff that, that's cool at the time, but you're not gonna stand out. Yeah. You gotta keep doing something different. It's interesting. Like you're a guy that I think of and I really relate this find your frequency. And when I think back growing up, you know, right around you and your name was always circling as, you know, one of the best, if not the best, I think about a guy that you, you just had your frequency and I, I think Today, it's more important than ever to know your frequency because we're so connected through social media that there's 7 billion people on earth and there's 3.2 billion on the internet. Right. And so if you know your frequency and you would rather people hate you for who you are than love, me, love you for who you're not and quit trying to please everyone, you can actually get farther and farther ahead by attracting those people with the same frequency. If I was gonna ask you today, what do you think that frequency is? Things change, you have four kids like me. We, a lot of similarities, except for you're a great athlete. Uh, <laughs> uh, what is that frequency today where you think, hey, you know, this is where I'm a maverick? Well, first and foremost, skateboarding, but more so the promotion of skateboarding in a global sense. Uh, and for me, just truly sharing my experiences because I do, you know, I get, I, I get to be in very rare, I get very rare opportunities and I, and I am fully aware of that, you know, the traveling and the people I get to meet and things like that. And I want to share that. And I, I don't take it for granted. I'm not trying to show it off. I'm not trying to, you know, Kardashian my way, like, <laughs> look at my bling, look at I'm with all the famous people. Right. It's just more like, well, this is crazy. I'm, I'm a skateboarder and I, you know, I get to meet the president. Right. Obama, yeah, that is. In, the White House. in that sense, I guess my frequency is that I'm a, I'm a passenger and I'm, um, I'm thankful for all of this and, and come along with me. Right. Do you know what I mean? If, yeah. if I had to have like a signature on my social media, that's what it is. It's like, I can't believe I got this crazy life. Check this out. Um, but, but other than that, you know, it's just, it's just like parenting, just everyday observations with parenting and philanthropy um, because I was able to turn what I did into a way to help others um, and especially through skateboarding and skate parks and to give kids in 
challenged areas a place to go and, and do something positive. Um, those, I mean, those are my, that is my frequency. It's very much skateboarding is the main thread, obviously, um, but more so just a, a different aspect on life. Because I, I have a perspective that people, you know, that, that is, is very different in, in terms of where I came from. Yeah, I think your gracious frequency comes across. And also uh, humility is something I have two words next to my nightstand. And it reminds me because I live a similar life. I pinch myself every day. And I think it's funny because I have radical humility next because that was the reason I lost everything. But it's also the reason because I lost it. And then I gained it all back through humility. And I think it's funny that you sit in front of me because on the way down here, you know, I've had Hall of Famers because of running a big sports agency, this inner inner circle of sports entertainment. I've been around the who's who of everyone. And I always feel the same way. Like, what am I doing here? That radical humility, has that always been there? Because, I mean, at 12 years old, you're winning, you know, championships by you know, 16, you're, you're a pro or 14. Yeah. But pro. see that all that stuff, you know, and, and especially when you talk about other sports stars and, and, and things, um, it was much different for me because like the people that you're talking about who are, you know, famous basketball, traditional uh, sports, football, right? traditional sports guys, mainstream yeah. sports or, or popular sports, they had, they, they had the opportunity to dream of being successful with it rich and famous, whatever it is. You know what I mean? Good point. When I got into skateboarding, no one was rich or famous from skateboarding. <laughs> well, you're actually looked down upon. Like the dream like you're was, looked down upon. You're a slacker. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you yeah. Were, you're we a stoner below, and a slacker we if, you, if you skated. The, the nerds on the totem pole of, of the you know, hierarchy of cool in school, but, but more so in terms of wanting to be a professional, so to speak, it just meant that someone might give you free gear. That, that was it. Like that was the extent of, right. of the success and maybe you got your picture in a magazine and when you turned 18, go get a job. Um, that was it. Yeah. And so I never had those dreams of, of you know, fantastic fame and fortune because it just wasn't something that existed. And nor did I say, I'm going to set out and do that. I mean, you know, I was 14 when I turned pro. I wasn't you making some skating. great procla proclamation about skateboarding and saying, I'm going to take this further than anyone ever has. It was just more like, I love doing it. And luckily I was so young that I was naive in the sense that why isn't this my career? Yeah. Well, I, all I wanted was a moped. So, you know, I was working <laughs> towards Hopper, that. Right? That was the big one at the time. Yeah, I got one. <laughs> nice I did. Yeah, too. I had a, I had a Yamaha I moped just <laughs> so that I could go to the skate park when I wanted to That's what I and wanted. not wait for my dad to get home from work. But, but you know, when you say you're winning championships, a championship was like a, a, a small gathering of skaters. Yeah. And when I turned pro, when I, this is not a joke, when I, when I filled out the entry form, I checked the pro box instead of the amateur box. And then I was pro. Right. That was it. That's there was awesome. no, and then my first, my first royalty check was $4 and 85 cents for skateboards, Right. which means like they Bobby sold, Bell. that means they sold five skateboards with my name on it. That is awesome. And, and I wasn't crushed. Like you're happy. Yeah. There was no, there five was no gold standard to live by. So it was like, okay, cool. I got $5. You are like John Madden. I love Madden because I've known him forever. And he, he got into football because he loved it. And never in his wildest dreams did he think that he would make more money from putting his, he's not even announcing in his video game anymore, Madden right. football, yeah. right? His name is just on it. And he makes more money in 2017 than in his entire career playing and coaching a Super Bowl champion football team. Now, when did the transition happen? Because you became a great businessman and entrepreneur. And, you know, you started your own companies. You really branded yourself well. 
and you built a sport. In fact, your own charity, the Tony Hawk Foundation, is about truly building your sport and helping others learn those skills, knowledge, and desire that you had, right? You give low income, uh, like 500 skate parks around the country. Uh, you know, it, it fits in line. When did that transition occur? It was around the time that our video game, my video game was released because suddenly there was this recognition of my name that sort of went, went way beyond skateboarding and, and a lot of times went way beyond me as a person. And it became like, my name was a, you know, for lack of a better word, a property, a, a franchise. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, wait a second. This is, this is a business. And, you know, I have these other opportunities now to do things um, in terms of, you know, not just promoting skateboarding, but, but doing other licensing deals, clothing lines, shoes, um, and, and other appearances and, and endorsements. And it was like, well, this is suddenly, this is a business. And then I realized like it's way bigger than I ever imagined it could be or, or I ever wanted it to be necessarily. And how can I do something to, to help other people, to help, to help skaters, to get back to the community that got me here, you know, that right. gave me more than I ever dreamed. And so that was my way of doing so is through doing a foundation um, of, of building public skate parks in low-income areas. And we kind of just, it had never been done. So we just started, try, you know, we just kind of DIY, which is the skateboarding creed basically. Yeah. But it was just like, how do we do this? How, do, how can we help? How can we make our money effective? Because the money we were giving and the money we were raising wasn't enough to build full skate parks in terms of, of doing anything effective like that. So our biggest grant at the time was $25,000 for a skate park. But because they got our endorsement and because they got our funding, they would get a lot more donations, recognition. It would so you push lend it your brand red to tape. it as well, yeah. which helped get that right. Yeah, and, and really, with, with the, we've given away over $6 million so far um, to build over 550 skate parks. But that $6 million has really parlayed into more like $100 million. Right, it's a bug um, light. What's that? As a bug light, because once you're involved, yeah. everything goes smoother, more money yeah. comes in, et cetera. So, you know, that's an exponential ripple that, that yeah, occurs. Yeah, and, and that to me, that's way more important because that shows that we have been effective with how we do things. Um, and we are a very strong resource for, resource center for these com these communities that want to get it going. You know, when they come to us, we don't even necessarily have to give them money. We just give them the, the guidebook yeah. to do it. Nice. Well, growing up, you know, an innovator in the sport. And so you didn't have many mentors because nobody had ever done really what you were doing. And then, you know, the video game comes out and it's enormous, right? I know the feeling, our, our TV show that we just did. And, and I started branding myself like three years ago, like I did the athletes. And all of a sudden, 15 million people watch your show. And people stop you at the game and go, hey, Mr. Meltzer, I've seen your videos. And so I know kind of that first feeling of it what to you did you seek mentors or because it, to me it gets scary you know like wait a second i, I this is a whole thing that i don't understand yeah, did you I get a mentor I, I or? took cues like i saw how other people ran their foundations mm -hmm. andre agassi um you know even the time lance armstrong and, and say what you will about his professional life like sure. he he did more for charity and cancer awareness than than any one person you know right. and i believe that that he had a sea change in terms of philanthropy. And, and so I took cues from that as well. And cool. um, on a bigger scale in terms of fundraising and how to be effective, uh, I took it either from, from other pro athletes, you know, I took incentives or um, from other charities that I thought did really well, like Charity Water. You know, their, their fundraising model was 
very high tech at the time, mostly online and very much like give them money, give, give a dollar and watch your dollar go to build this well in this city in Ethiopia or in this village in Ethiopia, right? Right. And I thought I was like, that is something that I can get behind because you are embedded in that process. Absolutely. You know, and you're, you're actually, yeah, you're, you're part of it. Um, you're connected to it. And I was like, that's what I want to do with our foundation. You know, it, it's, it's hard because it gets messy with fundraising and trying to show exactly where your dollars go, but, but we've done a pretty good job of it. But mostly just in terms of having an online presence and a way to do micro donations for people who are inspired to give, but maybe don't have that much to give. As a final question, you know, obviously you're leaving this huge legacy in skateboarding. You're leaving a huge legacy in the business of sports, but I'm more interested in your foundation and the legacy of Tony Hawk, of what you're leaving with these 550. And by the time it's all over, it'll be thousands of, of parks. And it's not just about skateboarding. What legacy do you want to leave with all this philanthropic, um, immense project that you took on these great work? What what legacy does Tony Hawk want to leave? Well, I, I hope someone, mostly someone that that raised the awareness of, of skateboarding as as a positive activity or, or um, positive influence for kids, and uh, something more global in terms of of skate facilities and, and the recognition of skateboarding. I mean, I'm hugely proud of the success we had at Foundation, but but I feel like that's just a start. We're in the US. Skating has, there are seeds planted all over. I mean, I've been in recent years to Ethiopia, to Cambodia, um, to Sierra Leone, uh, to South Africa, and there are thriving skate scenes in these in these countries because someone came and just took the incentive and was like, here, here's a skateboard. Here's, here, you know, here's a couple of little ramps and, and this is what's possible. And they took it and, and, and it spread like wildfire. And, and I would rather know that my influence helped to grow that in, in a much bigger way in terms of um, the unlikely places. That's more exciting to me as a legacy. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm, I'm really proud of everything we've done in the US, but, but the idea that there is this kid in Ethiopia that can now do kickflips and that's his escape from his daily life that is is difficult is incredible to me uh, that's awesome we we will help you with that you know i'm fortunate to be a goodwill ambassador to the dutch islands and skateboarding is huge in, in all of holland and these islands we we are down yeah. there all the time and then in kenya I'd, I'd love to include it in our empowerment for my 50th birthday i'm doing a 50 for 50 we're raising a million dollars for empowerment and leadership in africa Wow. And so I, I'd love to include some Tony Hawk uh, facilities in that program because I think it's a great way, like you said, to enjoy your life, even if you have additional stresses and challenges that other people don't have and, and escape. Yeah, well, I just I've seen it firsthand. I've, you know, I, I've been to the, like the Johannesburg facility that just opened for Skatistan. These kids are, you know, they, they it's rough out there, yeah. especially where they're from. And, and they come to that facility and for those couple hours or for that half a day, they get to get away from that and also learn life skills. They're going to help them escape whatever route some of them feel stuck with. Yeah. Well, 
we're coming to an end here. I just want to really thank you. I mean, you are a true philanthropist. You are an innovator. And, you know, as much as you think you're blessed to be around all these great celebrities and athletes and pinch yourself, this is a day for me. I'm hoping we become friends because I've looked forward to meeting you for a long time. And like I said, I'm a huge fan, not just of your skating, but of your business acumen. And most importantly, what I keep reading about you, everything you do for others and to grow up in the same area as you and to know about you and to see you for so long. You know, I just... I'm humbled by one of the most humble athletes I've ever met. So thank you very much for being oh, on. Thanks, thanks for having book. me. Thanks for including me.